I have a word from the Lord tonight that for some will be a stern rebuke. For others, it will be a, a gentle reminder. And for some, it's going to be a, a biblical warning that perhaps doesn't apply to you, but it is good for you to remember. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 through 23. The title is, Fix Your Eyes. Verse 22, Jesus said, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Jesus is here giving the Sermon on the Mount, which you might call the beginner's manual for a Christian disciple. These are the first teachings that Jesus gives, and I have found that these are some of the teachings that we tend to forget about the most, because the Sermon on the Mount, for all of its beauty and all of its kind words, is very demanding upon the disciple. And here Jesus is speaking in the context of money. The previous thing he said was about laying up treasures in heaven, not on earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. And the following section is on not serving two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon, which, of course, is a reference to money, to possessions. So right in the middle of that, this is the context that he's talking about. And the comparison is between the eye of the body and the soul of a man. If your eye is healthy or sound, then you can see everything. There's light, so to speak, in your body. You're able to move about properly. You're able to make good decisions. You're able to evaluate the world around you correctly. But he says if there's something wrong with your eyes, which some of us have encountered before, that there is darkness in your body and you don't know how to go about. You don't know how to conduct yourself properly because you cannot see. Therefore, if the eyes of your soul are dimmed or darkened, then so will your entire life be dimmed or darkened. And he calls that out almost in a, a note of panic by saying, how great is that darkness if you allow the eyes of your very soul to be dimmed? If your spiritual eyes, which are supposed to give you light, are darkened, everything is darkened. This is a lesson on desire. In the context of money, that is very appropriate. On focus more than anything else. The things upon which you gaze in life, that which you prioritize, that upon which you have fixed your eyes, if it is not focused upon Christ and his kingdom, then it will begin to shape and distort that which is supposed to be godly in you. The things that are supposed to be light within you, if your eyes, so to speak, are not properly oriented, then it will begin to be darkness within you. For example, in the context here, of course, if you only have eyes for money, your spiritual eyes are darkened and you will begin to fail. You will begin to fall because you have begun to uh, orient your whole life to navigate and make decisions and take steps and reach out based upon money and possessions rather than upon Christ and his kingdom. And we're going to go beyond just the context of possessions and mammon here because it can apply to any number of things upon which your eyes are fixed rather than Christ. John the Apostle would write in 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The Bible is full of either-or statements like that, that we would much rather in our modern-slash-postmodern age nuance and massage and, and form a spectrum rather than a binary and say, yes, if you love the world or the things in the world, you love Jesus too. You've just got to learn to love Jesus more. Whereas John will say, if you don't love or if you do love the things of the world, you do not love the Father himself. Anything which catches and obsesses your gaze instead of Christ will introduce darkness into your life. You are seeing with distorted vision and you are not capable of walking properly, making decisions or evaluating things properly. Your perception is flawed. Of course, the implication is that only Jesus is to be your object of focus and desire. Earlier in this sermon, Jesus had said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's where your eyes are to be focused. That's where you're supposed to be looking, is to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Focus on him and the light will shine. Otherwise, you'll have a darkened view of life. Specifically, this is about how we will end up treating Jesus and regarding his commandments. Your eyes, where are your eyes? Let's look at the example Jesus himself gave. If your eyes are fixed on money, you'll begin to manipulate the commands of Scripture for your own sake. You won't look at them properly. You'll look at Jesus' words to not lay up treasures on earth, but to lay them up in heaven. How he even told some to sell all that they had and follow the Lord. To not love the things of the world. And you'll begin to say, well, as long as you get the principle right, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Because money is the controlling focus of your life. That's where your eyes are fixed. And you start to manipulate the commandments of God for your own sake. And anything does not serve your own lust and desire for possessions will be reevaluated for that purpose. Lust itself, speaking of the lust of the eyes. If you place gratification of the body as the primary motivation and drive of your life you'll begin to excuse your own wandering, your own failure to keep the commandments. You'll acknowledge that the commandments of God are good, but you will begin to search the scriptures for passages that give you comfort when you ought to be feeling guilt to cause you to feel acceptance when you ought to be feeling fear for the fact that you've wandered once again from the commandments of God because the primary drive and focus of your life has become lust rather than the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, your evaluation and your obedience to God's commandments will be full of darkness rather than light. Vainglory, selfish ambition. If that's the controlling focus of your life, you'll begin to treat Jesus not as a king, but as an asset, which is how ambitious people tend to treat others. They treat them in terms of utility. How can this person help my career? How can this person advance my life? What are these things contributing to my success, and you'll begin to evaluate Jesus that way also. And rather than viewing him as a king, you'll view him as some kind of partner or some kind of high example for you to aspire to and maybe even someday to surpass. And the day Jesus finally comes in between you and your vain glory and your selfish ambition, you will have to bid farewell to Christ. It's happened time and again. What if, here's a different one, fear is the primary focus of your life. Now you might say, who is going to prioritize fear in their life? People who are more concerned and obsessed with the internal thoughts and machinations of their own heart and mind than they are with obedience to Christ. 
People who are not just anxious, but have identified themselves by their anxiety. People who do not just struggle with sorrow and depression, but have labeled themselves as a depressive. People who have all manner of struggles in life and have made those struggles the defining characteristic of their life. Perhaps to gain sympathy, perhaps because they don't know any better. But in any case, what it will cause you to do is to despise and compromise his word. People that are so in tune with their sorrows to an unhealthy degree get angry at Jesus when he says things like he'll say in verse 25, do not be anxious about your life. Or when he says, do not be afraid 365 times. Or in everything, bring prayer and supplication to God and the peace of God will guard your heart. When the Bible tells us not to focus and prioritize on these things, they feel personally insulted and thwarted. And so they begin to invite in other philosophies and other ideas that will give them what they want out of Scripture. Or what if knowledge itself is your main focus? Knowing things, being smart, being clever, being wise. Now you're evaluating Jesus as one theory among many. You're not bowing the knee to the magnificent God, very God, light from light, the one who came down from heaven. You're evaluating his scriptures with a critical eye, saying, I don't accept anything unless it's been demonstrated and proven to me. And you've set yourself up in the seat of the scoffer. Where are your eyes, Christian? You know how you can tell? Which commandments of Scripture have you ignored? Which mandates of the Bible really have no bearing on the way you conduct yourself? You know where they are. When he says, do not love the world or the things in the world, does that describe you at all? When Jesus said, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, and do good to those who hate you, does that factor into your calculations of life even a little? When he said, so far as it depends on you, dwell peaceably with all men. Pray without ceasing. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. What are the commandments of the Bible that just fall by the wayside? You've convinced yourself, well, we'll get around to it eventually. Because there are some scriptures that each one of us love because they're easy for us according to our temperament and the way we structured our lives. But there are others that demand obedience from you and submission. And if there are those that simply lay unaddressed in your life, that's how you can tell where your eyes truly are. What you focus on will illuminate your soul. And if you are not focused on the light of the world himself, there will be areas of shadow in your life. It is how you evaluate Jesus' words for good or for evil. What you ought to be doing is what Job himself did. Job 31 verses 1 and 2. He said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. With my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? Whereas Jesus was using it in the context of money, here Job uses it in the context of sexual immorality. What would be my portion from God and my heritage from the Almighty on high? Job is evaluating obedience to the commandment to not lust after a woman in terms of how is that going to please God and what reward will I get from the King of Heaven? That's how you know that your eyes are in the right place because you are evaluating every aspect of your life according to the Kingdom of God. Friends, if you cannot manage your attention, never mind your desire, but your attention, your eyes, you'll walk in darkness. You might spend lots of time trying to organize your heart when you should spend more time on your eyes, trying to fix what's going on in here, but you can't fix what's going on up here. This is why you feel lost. 
This is why you might know theologically and in faith that you are saved, but you feel as if you're walking in darkness, because you very well may be walking in darkness. Your eyes are fixed on other things, not on Christ and his kingdom. It's nothing to you to mock the word of God, to mock the people of God, to scoff at someone else's attempts to follow Jesus, working overtime to be accepted by those who despise our Lord who bled on the cross for us. A church is not just to be a house of instruction and assembly where we come together to make friends and to hear something useful for the week. And a Christian is not just an admirer of Christ. The world is filled with admirers of Christ that are going to burn in hell for all eternity. Calvary Chapel must be a place where our eyes are firmly fixed upon Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So that his word and his gospel are the guiding lights of our lives. Not just things that we assent to with our words, with our minds, but the things that have become the very light of our life. That we only see how to walk and move and handle and step because of what Jesus has said. Otherwise, we will deceive ourselves. Because we will gather once, twice, three times, four times a week to sit around the Bible, to sit with God's people and to say, yes, Lord, but we'll never allow the things that are causing us to stumble and to sin to become a point of focus and emphasis because we have other priorities. Colossians, Paul said in Colossians 3, 1 through 3, if then you have been raised with Christ, if then, so are you, have you been raised with Christ? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Then seek the things that are above where Christ is. Don't claim, Paul says, to be a Christian if the priorities of Christ have no value for your life. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Jesus is the light of the world. Everything else will only lead you to walk in darkness. If Christ has not become the main priority, I'm talking of every day waking up and seeing how is Jesus have me live this day, then there are going to be areas of your life where you're stumbling around in the darkness. You're falling into pits. You're banging your knees and elbows against sharp edges that you didn't see. And you might even be heading in the wrong direction because the light that you're following is a false one. And you're truly walking in darkness, even though because you claim the name of Jesus, never mind what he's actually said. So you've got to fix your eyes. Kingdom first. Kingdom first and only. Then you will begin to see clearly which is what Jesus told us in John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. And whoever walks with me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if you want the light of life, you've got to follow the light of the world.